I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to learn who they are, what they do, and why they do it. My guest today is Andrew Ciceno. Welcome back, Andrew. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm in uh, New York City, and it's pretty brisk out here, so I have a few layers of clothing on. <laughs> <laughs> we are close enough that we are having the same weather. <clears throat> I'm two hours to your left, two hours west in Pennsylvania, and we're doing the cold gray, which is, I guess, better than the icy gray. Um, I said welcome back because I had the distinct pleasure of talking to you. I'm thinking it was in 2018. I didn't actually go and check. Uh, we had a wonderful sit down, um, and I'm so glad that you're back. Uh, I wanted today, uh, so I get your emails, um, mad props, by the way, on everything. We're going to talk about all that, but I get your emails and you send out an email recently talking about an event that is happening in the Bay Area. So the event's happening in California, um, but you guys do this stuff all over. So please don't check out on me. Everybody else don't check out just because we're going to start talking about something that's in California. Uh, so you sent out that flyer and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I wonder if I can figure out some way to help. So I said, Andrew, come back on the show. Let's start talking about that. So since I'm still rambling, uh, can you tell me about what the event is that's happening? Um, and, you know, people who want to like slap their headphones off and rush to the event, how do they sign up? Like, let's do that mm -hmm. right out of the gate. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Craig. Um, since we last talked, uh, the work that I do, we rebranded from Parkon Resilience to Moving Rasa. Um, and so Moving Rasa is really uh, what's happening in the Bay Area is going to be a couple retreats. And the first one is for Asian American Pacific Islanders. Um, and the second one is for BIPOC and BIPOC Black, Indigenous and or people of color. Um, the first one's happening February 16th to the 18th. And the focus is on rest and recuperation because we're really focused on working with community organizers and supporting them to uh, connect with their bodies and find ways to uh, restore their rhythms in life. And then the, the next one for BIPOC um, is the 23rd to the 25th. And uh, the focus of that one will be abolition. And uh, the API one is unfortunately almost booked up. So if, if folks are interested, uh, either do that now or tomorrow, um, or <laughs> check out the BIPOC one, which is, which is on the 23rd and the 25th. And definitely um, make sure you sign up for Andrew's newsletter, because that's how you learn about these things. Like, if you're a little late to the game here, if you were on the newsletter, you would have got it the day that he came out. But I'm, I'm excited to, to chat with you and kind of share updates and hear how things are going for you and uh, lean into any of the questions that might arise. Um, yeah, I feel like the, the work has um, developed uh, in beautiful ways. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for thanking. Thank you for being welcoming. I want to also stuck stuff in here, um, movingrasa.com, M-O-V-I-N-G-R-A-S-A.com. Um, I've been lately on a kick of acknowledging people who build nice websites on the public internet. Sometimes Craig goes on his soapbox about walled gardens and companies exploiting content. Uh, thank you for building a beautiful website, which really does an awesome job explaining your work. 
Um, I think it even did a nice job explaining, like I went in and I'm like, oh, and it, like the whole story of how your work has changed and you have a beautiful testimonials page. So if, if you're still listening, you definitely want to go to the website and learn more about Andrew's work. There's some really neat videos and audio. And I really appreciate when people like you've done, when you take the time, because that, that didn't take you five minutes to make that website. Uh, you really put effort into that. Um, so that's one resource I want to make sure people are aware of. And episode notes, people, you can just scroll down. I will link everything in there as best I can. Um, so I appreciate that you took the time to Also on Instagram. On Instagram, yes. at Moving Rasa. That's a Excellent. Instagram. Um, and I think maybe we should talk. I, 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 don't, I actually don't think it's as interesting to dissect people for their like tell me how it all began you know sure, sure. i'm super interested in but you're welcome to do how did it change from parkon but i'm really interested about tell me what like as i know a little bit but i'm gonna play dumb tell me what rasa means and why that why that became the vehicle like tell me about the mindset change that you had when you went oh that's what this project is mm-hmm um <clears throat> So rasa means taste in Indonesian. Uh, and it also means discernment of feeling with the heart. Right? So it, it isn't just about what our relationship to food is, but it's what our relationship to anything is. Uh, whether it's a picture on the wall, uh, a book that we read, a friend, uh, a value that we might have. And... <clears throat> Just like we might have uh, a sensory understanding of what something tastes like, we have a sensory understanding of our rasa for anything. Mm -hmm. And that sensory understanding can be moved into and explored and improvised with and moved with others. And so moving rasa um, supports people to connect to their rasa. Another word for another way of rasa, uh, the Sanskrit word is the root of it is essence. Right. And so... Uh, it's to support people to use movement, movement improvisation, site-specific movement improvisation to connect to their rasa. So it doesn't, you don't have to be Indonesian to connect to moving rasa. Um, in fact, moving rasa supports people across cultures to connect to their cultures and how it connects to their essence in finding um, hybrid ways to to manifest their culture in the present day in relationship to their everyday, right? So, so culture isn't something that's stuck in tradition and in the past, but, but it's alive in our bodies and it's alive in our relationship to the land and relationship to others at all times. And it's really about uncovering and connecting with that agency within ourselves um, to connect with that rasa in our everyday and in, our, in the relationships and collectives that we're in. There's, um, I'm going to ask you, do you agree with the following? There's an audio file. I think you have, uh, I'm resisting the urge to pull up my web browser while I'm talking to you. Okay. There's a page on your website, which has a couple of media uh, pieces. And one of them is a recent one. It's a 20 minute audio of you um, talking, you know, the listener through moving into a space and engaging with it. You know, which one I'm referring to. And it, yeah. it, it felt I, I just, like that would be a good thing for people to try. If, it, if they just went, that's interesting, Andrew, tell me more. I'm, I want to say, go listen to Andrew tell you more for 20 minutes 
actually doing it. But I'm like, does that feel like a good place for people to start in that audio or is that a little too deep? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's a good place to start. I think, um, you know, I feel like uh, f- my experience is I, I work with a lot of non-movers or people do- who don't have experience. And, and sometimes it just feels daunting to, to cross the threshold hmm. to explore movement, to be in the body. Um, and my feeling and thought is that we are in a body and moving <laughs> whether we like it or not to, to yeah. exist on this planet. Um, and so the, the direction of moving Rasa is to just bring attention to what we already are, are doing and how we are already uh, implicated in systems as well as can find resources to connect with our full selves despite those systems and, and find ways that we can organize with one another uh, towards liberation. And so um, just for example, um, in the last year, actually, uh, my, I was privileged to uh, receive and get a federal grant to work with survivors of sexual assault um, in culturally specific ways. So the grant is a capacity building grant that has supported me to, to develop this organization beyond myself. And now there's a couple other people who are co-facilitating. So like in, in California, I'll be co-facilitating with a couple different co-facilitators, New Nugan for the, um, for the API retreat and Alexa Bariga for the BIPOC retreat. Um, and, uh, that, that, uh, that focus, um, is really, uh, supporting people regardless of what their trauma might be, that they have a right to recover their relationship to their body and recover an authentic relationship to their environment and the world around them and their values and ideas. You know, if somebody has been, if their boundaries have been transgressed and they have lost uh, connection with the, the integrity of, of their consciousness and themselves, it makes it very difficult to, to engage in an empowered way in the relationships in your life, not just with people, mm. but with everything. And so um, it can work the other way around, right? We can, we can work with our relationship with everything with the objects, with the ideas in our life and, and build, re, recover our boundaries, recover our ability to move in creative and, f- and flowing ways. And that can support us to come back into relationship with others. Um, like one testimony that I remember that's just pinging in my head right now is that somebody said, I never thought I'd move with a man again. Hmm. You know, because... It, it's it it takes a, a, a bit to to move through trauma and so a lot of the the focus of the moving rasa work is like how do we support people who might be in trauma to be able to move into their fullness um determine self-determined on their own pathway towards healing and to do it in collective to do it with others mm-hmm. in a fun and playful and uh, trauma-informed way i I have, it's funny when you said 
pinging to mind. I I had a, a ping of there's a testimonial of a woman, and she was talking about. I think I think you were like holding an iPhone and said something like, you know, what's a takeaway? And she pointed at for her the distinction between safe space and brave space mm-hmm. was something that had really. I don't know if you remember exactly which testimonial I'm talking about. Um, and people, I'll link it. You can go look at it. She mentioned that, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting distinction. And I've so I've been to a few, like maybe three times, where I've worked in some space where you were leading us to do park on, and oh. it always felt different. And I don't just mean like different because we're leaning on people. I mean it, it. There was always something different. And I'm wondering how far back in your creative work does brave space as distinguished from safe space? Like how far back does that idea go? Am I pointing at something that's even real? <laughs> hmm. How far back? Um, I think I, I think there's always the, the for me, there's been uh, this question of like, how do I, how do we step into brave spaces? How do, how do I step into a brave space? And, um, I think it begins for me in, I think it begins for me in the centering of relationships and, um, there's always the negotiation of boundaries, the negotiation of uh, what are my intentions, what's another person's intentions, um, and then the confusion of those things, right? Or the, or the like trying to understand what a what a perceived threat is from a real threat. Um, and so, while I might not have had the distinctions necessarily of safe space from brave space. Um, this feeling that understanding the nuances of relationship and and the the need for a trauma-informed approach to understanding threats and boundaries um, is what makes an accountable space a space that people can lean into to be a brave space so that if harm happens that we can be accountable and, and seek repair. Um, whereas, um, and whereas I, I don't know what one person's safety is versus my mm. safety, right? Like mm. I, I have no idea what somebody else's positionality is because I have so many blind spots. And so the very nature of um, starting the work with Parkon is being a bi- uh person of color majority um, form uh, so that we could discover a POC somatics movement form wisdom uh, was in itself a brave space because um, we're trying to discover something and connect with something that's not part of the status quo, not part of our normal days. And, um, and, and when everybody kind of leaves those spaces, we have to re, often, many of us have to reintegrate into white dominated spaces or spaces that might be doing us harm. Um, 
and our whether it's external or our, our own internalizations of how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so part of brave space for me is also just grace that people will mess up and that there'll be mistakes um, because these systems are so huge. You know, these systems of oppression, domination are so huge that um, it, it takes bravery to confront things and confront, um, confront things that might feel like real threats but are just perceived threats or things that we've been conditioned to, to not go near. Um, and so it takes bravery to go there. And, and a lot of times when we actually go there, then it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, I've internalized that. Or, oh, wait a minute, if I organize a resource differently, uh, I can go mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, so I feel like I was kind of meandering around that. But it, it reminds me also similarly <laughs> of like, did Moving Rasa start two years ago when I rebranded it? Mm-hmm. Or did Moving Rasa start... <laughs> when I started this process or even before that, before you were born. Right. Yeah. Right. And so the interesting thing is I, as I like do investigation into Indonesian philosophy, um, is that I see that there's threads of, of the different pieces in it, in the way that I've done stuff and organized and thought about movement before I knew the words for them. Like they were, they were encoded in my, in my body, in my movement. Um, and while I might not have been conscious of it or been able to form a word around it, uh, they were organizing me. Hmm. You're uh, mentioned, a uh, mentioning of that other testimonial reminded me of another testimonial. Uh, like the video I'm picturing in my head is, I think it was you and your son sitting on the left and there was a woman sitting on the right and it was a post, some sort of post activity, post event. And she made a comment about just being able to move. And I think she said, like, feel like a nine-year-old. Mm. Like she said, you know, that's not something I ever thought that that would ever happen to me again. And that's one of those, to me, that feels like the kind of takeaway. It's like, on one hand, that feels completely useless. We're not expecting that any of these people who are, you know, 59 are supposed to go out and act like nine-year-olds. That's how you break a hip. But on the other hand, there was a spark there that she was just like, that was awesome. Like that, that, yes, please. I want that nine year old spark. I want that to be something that I know I'm still capable of. Um, it's just like a 30 second clip, but it was just neat yeah. to see. Um, and what I'm, I guess the question I'm, I'm asking is I'm guessing that you get that sort of validation for the work that sort of like one by one sparky testimonial. I mean, not even in front of a camera, but just like right in the moment, an event. I'm guessing you get that just incessantly from people. Um, does it always click with people who you feel it should click with? Or do you find that sometimes you know, it's just they're not ready for it? People aren't ready to understand? I'm sure with anything that there's people that aren't ready for things. You know, like, I, I you know, I, and there's the reason why I continue is because of the hundreds of people that, I've worked with that have these breakthroughs of like, I, I never thought I experienced this in my life or I, I gave mm. up on my body ever, uh, my relationship to my body ever feeling this way. Mm. Um, I'm doing a lot of men's work right now. And so, uh, so like with Southeast Asian and Pacific Islander men who 
tend not to have uh, those kind of support networks to, especially to work through sexual violence and things. Um, but there's this, uh, just like in preparing for these and thinking about these things, I feel like identity is often seen as reductive, right? And mm-hmm. um, and and then we protect it. Um, I'm a man. Men aren't supposed to have their emotions. Men are supposed to be protected in certain ways. This is what a man does. There's a pres- prescription behind it, right? And and within these groups, um, and within the moving rasa process itself, is the idea of gotong royong. So gotong royong is an Indonesian philosophy that means uh, collectively sharing the burden. And so in relationship to identity, instead of sharing, instead of having the burden of identity in an individual basis, like I'm a man, I got to hold it together by myself and mm-hmm. got to do all the like blah, 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 <laughs> right? The, the identity of man, of being a man or being any identity can be expansive and can be self-determined by a collective. And so when we when we get together in affinity space, which I find so important, whether it's racial affinity space, gender affinity space, um, that we're able to like see how uh, where common there's common experiences where we're able to um, speak through silence and taboo topics that have purposefully been um, made taboo to keep us isolated and to keep us um, not organized, divided, right? Um, so that we can collectively self-determine an identity, whether it's a man or an Asian American identity that includes Southeast Asian and includes Pacific Islander histories and, and perspective, so that it can be expansive, so that it can be organizing towards a future that we all share towards liberation, right? Rather than reductionist, which just continues the status quo. Mm-hmm. So many, so many things I want to ask. Um, the, I'm, I'm really thinking I want to try to focus on like people who are still listening 20 minutes in, they're, they're, they're on board. So like, I'm imagining that there are people who go through the experience, go through a, a moving Rasa event. And it's not just like, this is, I'm, I'm guessing this is, consider this a question. It's not just that they are transformed, even in a small way. It's not just that they are transformed. It's it's like the whole thing about you don't share fire, you just light the next candle. So that person who might be in an oppressive work environment or harried for time, that they, that little change in them, they wind up making change elsewhere that has nothing to do with them going out and proselytizing, moving Ross or anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm wondering if you um, have any thoughts on maybe people should hear that that's a thing and they should be inspired by like, you don't have to fix everything. All you have to do is have this spark within you. And then that propagates. I'm, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about like, you know, what you help one, then one helps many. And if you help 10, then those 10 help. Like there's a propagation effect that I think you're really making a huge contribution in the world because of how this stuff propagates. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if um, I have a clear question there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like um, maybe it's the way that I feel like 
the moving rasa has taught me and taught others that we're part of collective and um and those and and that we like move around with collectives in mind so so even when i'm in a space where i might be a uh where i might be the minority right it might be like a a white dominated space that might not be practicing you know the best mutual listening things <laughs> and, nicely and couched <laughs> <laughs> I have some, you know, practices or, or practices that aren't like, that are more like competitive and alpha dogging and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Zero sum um, is a classic one. Yeah. But I don't have to be, I'm not going in there isolated as my individual self. Like I'm bringing in my Southeast Asian collective group that I have been meeting with once a month. Um, into that space. And, and when I speak, I'm not just speaking with my voice, I'm speaking to make space for Southeast Asian men or mm-hmm. BIPOC men um, mm-hmm. because I know I'm part of a collective and I know they're behind me too. And after I leave that space and I go back, I can process it with them. So I know that I'm not alone um, in entering spaces that may not uh, you know, be, be the most, uh, amiable. Um, but I can advocate, uh, for myself and I feel more resilience and, uh, courage, bravery to do so. Um, similar to probably the testimony that you heard because I have, because of the practice community that I'm part of and that I share with and that I carry with me. Um, and similarly, like people carry their collectives into a moving Rasa space, right? We don't leave behind our families, our communities when we come into a collective space and the successes and, and the harms that people have experienced are invited to be there so that we can, um, show up with them and Mm. figure out and be with or play with like how we want to be with them rather than um, be shaped by them in ways that we're not consenting to. Yeah. I would say if people are listening, there's also one of the things we wanted to make sure we mentioned was that um, moving Rasa would be able to, I guess, accomplish more if we have more funding, if you have more funding. So there's a really easy way to contribute. You can just go to movingrasa.com and you can chip in with money if you're not able to make it to the events because this all started us talking about events in California. Hmm. When, if you know, when's the next event after the ones that are happening in February? Do you know when the next ones are or not just yet? Um, well, the... The weekend retreats are one type of event that we do, right? Um, there are regular virtual events that mm-hmm. happen either weekly or monthly. Um, in my local New York area, I do a monthly uh, afternoon um, that happens either indoors or outdoors somewhere. Um, and our hope is to try to do something quarterly at least 
twice a year, if not. Twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you start thinking about the future, it's like, oh, this requires a commitment. I understand. It's like, oh, I don't want to overcommit. Yeah. yeah. But we don't have, we don't have the, the location set yet for the next one, but it will probably be three to four months after February. So probably in June ish time. And it will probably be on the East coast uh, for okay. this next one. Um, what uh here's a completely different non sequitur um what's something because people like to get to know the guests too uh what's something that you would say people get wrong about you people get wrong about me this is a hard question hmm people are often surprised that i have a son hmm um, he's 10 years old. Um, I think maybe, maybe it's because we, I don't know, maybe it's because sometimes, at least for myself, I, I, I think I have kind of like imprints of like, oh, uh, dads with sons like that don't. Uh, take mm. risks and move in that way <laughs> in public or um, the nature of moving rasa right is about uh, is not just about our own bodies exploring space but in person it's about how our bodies can come together and share weight and touch and be intimate with one another and so being able to have that clarity around boundaries and sense of self and and um, and exploring things together with others um, I think sometimes people might assume that I'm unpartnered or mm. don't have a child <laughs> to be able to explore those things. Um, they're, mi they're missing a very important piece of Andrew if they think that. <laughs> uh, anything else top of mind that you that I haven't skipped over? I'm mindful that this winds up being Craig driving and guests always in the passenger seat. So, no, I appreciate it. Um, I didn't know where our conversation would go and there's tons of places that we could take it. And, yeah. Yeah. uh, I'm, I've been excited about, um, preparing for the BIPOC retreat that's coming up because the focus is on abolition and the co-facilitator that I'm working with has done a lot of work in abolition. So, um, so just like leaning into the possibility of that, I, that I've really been enjoying leaning into, um, leaning into the possibility of, what if I stopped punishing myself? That's a good question. Right? Like, because <laughs> abolition is about like, what if we stopped the punishment, like the carceral system outside of us? But like, uh, what if we started with ourselves? What if we forgave ourselves for punishing ourselves? What, what does that open up in our relationships with others with ourselves with objects with ideas what movements are possible there both literally physically movements but also like what movements are possible in the possibilities in the world what you can create so i, I just find it interesting to that's kind of like a, as I prepare for any retreat, and this one in particular, I'm like thinking of that uh, 
as my own, I'm using it as my own kind of like uh, long range goal of meditation and movement practice right now to discover and explore um, because I'm going to be engaging in with the collective in that. And so like going through my own kind of exploration of like, Oh, what is, what does this mean in my life? Mm-hmm. And how have I been, how have I been harming myself? How have I been punishing myself? How do I forgive myself for that? How do I see it within a context of, of that? It's not just coming from me, but it's like part of the system. What I do when I see others harming themselves, punishing themselves, you know, there's, it's, it's interesting. Terrific. Um, there's a problem with people saying profound things. Nothing that I can say after that <laughs> is useful. Um, but boy, am I glad I asked. Um, I hate to say it, uh, but I'm just watching our time tick by at some point we should sure. stop. So, <clears throat> uh, thanks for coming back. I'm like, this is cool. I got to talk to Andrew a second time. Uh, I will just say, and of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, three words, um, patience, love, and community. So patience in the sense that time is something that we can actually co-create and something that we create, right? It's... Um, the the idea of uh, the mechanical clock and time can be traced back into um, European <laughs> origins in order to keep productivity, but also to like in the navigation of the world to be able to kind of uh, organize the world for colonization <laughs> to make trade routes faster and things, you know? So it was like, cutting things up and imposing a sense of time all across the world. And it's infused in our brains, right? And we disrupt our own phrasing, our own connections to things because it's 7.45 or 8 o'clock and my son needs to go to school right now. So, <laughs> And, and so we, we interrupt our joys. We interrupt so much. Um, because of uh, uh, a commitment to mechanical time mm-hmm. that's above, above our own qualitative sense of time. And so just like inviting relationships to time that allow for the patience for it to unfold in our own self, to give us space to, to connect with that time. Um, the second word, love. Um, uh, I have experienced lots of love uh, being in community with others and uh, through their love that they've shown for me, like finding ways to love myself, which has been very nice and helpful, um, that I don't need to just figure out self-love by myself. Mm. Um, and uh, it's through that love that it makes me want to love others and support others. And so then finally, um, community. So community similar to identity, uh, not as a reductive thing or something that I'm passively into, but something that uh, I'm uh, connected to, engaged with, building with, um, co-creating the world with. Hmm. Um, And I hope that those three words are able to 
join us and your listeners and friends, family as we move forward. But thank you. No, no. Thank you. Uh, terrific. As I've taken to saying all the time. Um, thank you so much for showing up, uh, for going on the ride. Sometimes going on the ride with Craig can seem a little like, what are we doing here? Where are we going? So I appreciate uh, flexibility and openness and, and uh, really speaking from the heart. Um, so mm-hmm. I really just want to acknowledge that. And if people are still listening, you definitely have to go to movingrasa.com, get on the mailing list, catch up with Andrew. Um, so thanks so much. I hope you have a terrific rest of your day. All right. Thank you so much, Craig. Bye.